0: Several years ago, Time Magazine put out a survey in which they asked people whether or not they would forgive someone who did the following things to them. I think you'll find this rather interesting. So in response to the question, would you forgive someone who murdered someone in your community, 33% said they would forgive. 59% said they would not. Now in response to this question to women, would you forgive someone who raped you? 19% said yes, they would forgive, but 77% said they wouldn't. In response to the question, would you forgive someone who murdered your child? I don't think it gets any more personal than that. 15% said yes, they would forgive, but 81% said they would not. Now, in all of these cases, the overwhelming majority of respondents said that they would choose bitterness over forgiveness. Some of you are in bondage right now to the master of bitterness. Maybe you're bitter toward God because of a tragedy that happened way back sometime in your life for which you blame him. Some of you are bitter toward someone else. Maybe it was a boss that unjustly fired you or the spouse who left you for someone else. Or maybe it was a business partner who skipped out and left you holding the bag. There may be some listening today who are bitter toward parents, perhaps because you were physically or even sexually abused. Perhaps you're bitter toward a father who never spent enough time with you, or a mother who never affirmed you. And yes, there are some who are bitter toward the church, and toward ministers of the gospel because of a bad experience you once had. Now I want to just stop right here and make something very plain. If you think you can get through life without people mistreating you, misjudging you, or misusing you, well, you'd just better find a desert island to live on. But be careful because even there, you still have to live with yourself. The truth is, if you're not careful, bitterness can follow you all the way to the grave. In fact, I recently came upon a true story about a 94-year-old lady. We'll just call her Hazel. Hazel was what used to be referred to as an old maid. She never got married. Now, after her funeral, her pastor felt it necessary to put a note in the church bulletin because of something unusual that happened there. You see, this woman had left very specific handwritten instructions for her funeral service, including the songs she wanted sung and the scriptures she wanted read. But her final instructions were these. There will be no male pallbearers. They wouldn't take me out when I was alive, and I don't want them to take me out when I'm dead. (laughs) I know it's a humorous story, but it, it reminds us of the seriousness of the question. How many times should I forgive? In our scripture today, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? The problem that forgiveness presents is this. It deals with sin. Forgiveness has to deal with perhaps the most unpleasant thing in life, and that is when someone else does you wrong. Even the very word forgiveness tells us how difficult forgiveness is because the word literally means to let go or to send away. You see, forgiveness is when you release to the Lord any bitterness that you might feel that you have a right to have towards someone else. It's the willingness to send the offender and the offense away into the hands of God and let God take care of the matter. It is giving up my right to hurt you, hurting me. <laughs> now, the Apostle Peter asks a question that many people would like to ask, but sometimes are too ashamed to ask. His question was, how many times do I have to forgive a brother who sins against me? Now, Peter pulls a shrewd trick. He makes a suggestion to Jesus. He says up to seven times. <laughs> now, that seemed very generous to him because the going rate in that day was three times. According to the Talmud and rabbinic law, you were obligated to forgive someone three times. But after the third time, you could beat the plowshare into a sword and run your opponent through. You were no longer obligated to forgive. In other words, it was three strikes and you're out. So Peter thinks he's being very, very generous. I mean, he doubles the number of times that the law demanded, and then added one free pass as a bonus. After all, any Jew knew that the number seven denoted perfection. So Peter thought he'd arrived at literally the perfect answer. Just forgive seven times, and after that, the gloves come off. Well, as usual, the Lord Jesus gave an answer that was not only surprising, but absolutely stunning. Verse 22 tells us, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Now understand that when Jesus said 70 times seven, he's not giving a math lesson. He wasn't saying, no, you must forgive 490 times, but on the 491st time, pow. (laughs) No, here's what Jesus was saying. The number seven denotes perfection, and the number 10 is for completeness. So he multiplies perfection times completeness times perfection, (laughs) 7 times 10 times 7. In other words, just forgive him every single time he sins against you. (laughs) Peter thought that if someone sinned against you and he repented and you forgave him, and then he did exactly the same thing and repented and you forgave him again, He could say, that's two, you better not get to three. But Jesus said, don't keep a scorecard. If somebody sins against you the first time and you forgive the brother, then you promise not to ever hold it against him again. So how does Jesus arrive at this conclusion? Well, Peter was appealing to the law, but Jesus was appealing to love. You see, the law has limits, but love doesn't. The law keeps count, but love does not. The law keeps records, but love does not. The law has a long memory. Love is no memory of past offenses whatsoever. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I could never forgive anyone that many times. But listen carefully. Forgiveness is not a prisoner of your emotions. It's a servant of your will. Whether you feel like forgiving or not is irrelevant as to whether or not you can forgive. Through Jesus Christ, not only can you forgive, not only should you forgive, for your own sake, you must forgive. Now, I could end the sermon right here, and some of you wish that I would. (laughs) And Jesus could have stopped here as well. After all, he had already answered Peter's question, how many times should I forgive my brother? Very simply, he said, every single time, end of story. And yet Jesus goes on to tell a parable to further illustrate the fountain from which forgiveness flows. In today's Bible study, we're going to go into greater detail about the parable to gain further insight into its meaning and application for your lives. And I hope you'll tune in for that. But for now, I want to cut to the chase and help you understand how you can forgive even when you don't want to. So whether or not your family has experienced some of the horrific crimes that I opened the message with or some lesser sins at the hands of a fellow Christian, the fact remains, we've all been hurt by others. So how will we deal with the pain and bitterness we experience when we've been wronged? This parable comes to the rescue to help us out. So scene one, a servant is hopelessly indebted to his master. He owes tens of millions of dollars and couldn't repay the master in a hundred lifetimes. But instead of throwing the man in jail, the master has compassion for the servant and forgives the entire debt. Scene two, the forgiven servant seeks out a fellow servant who owes him a few hundred dollars and insists on being paid. When the fellow servant is unable to do so, the forgiven servant begins to choke the man in anger and then has him thrown in prison. In scene three, the master hears about the forgiven servant's refusal to show mercy And now the master's compassion turns to anger, and he gives the servant the punishment he deserves. The first servant had an enormous unpayable debt. There was absolutely no way this man could ever pay back the money, not in a thousand years. Now understand that the debt represents sin. Sin's an unpayable debt. No matter how hard you work and how good you try to be, you can never pay off the sin debt that you owe to God. As a matter of fact, if you took the best of every human being that has ever lived and took that best and turned it into gold, there would not be enough gold in the world to even make a down payment on the sin debt of one person, let alone the entire planet. The debtor owed a debt he could not pay. And the king paid a debt he did not owe. Of course, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when he forgave that debt, he did not forgive just part of our sin. He forgave all of it. As 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Our sins have been forgiven completely and for all time. Every single time we sin, God forgives because his son Jesus has already paid our debt in full through his death on the cross. He released us completely from our obligation to pay off our debt and took on the punishment of torture and death that should have come to us. He's felt the same pain thousands of times over, that we feel when someone has wronged us. Think about it. Billions of people's sins over the course of eternity were heaped upon Jesus, and he took it all, though he was completely blameless. So what will you do when someone wrongs you? Will you be like the servant who went out and found someone who owed him a paltry amount, compared to what had already been forgiven him, and took the man and choked him and said, pay me what you owe? Will you want revenge, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth? Will you get mad and ruin your health with ulcers and elevated blood pressure and a possible stroke? Or will you be like the master, who was moved with compassion, released the servant, and forgave him the debt. (laughs) My friends, forgiveness is as much for you as it is for the other person. Even more so. If you can't forgive, it's like holding a hot coal in your hand. You're the one getting burned. Don't miss the fact that the servant who couldn't forgive was thrown back into prison. And it's his own fault. Those who can't forgive who are Unaffected by the Master's generosity, end up getting exactly what they deserve. There will literally be hell to pay. There's only one place where bitterness can be put to death, and there's only one person who can release you from the prison built with the bars of your own bitterness. The place is Calvary, and the person is Jesus Christ. You know, a famous preacher once said, let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven and then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. There's only one way to become a forgiving person, and that's to become a forgiven person. And there's only one way to become a forgiven person, and that is to go to Calvary. My friends, when you've been to Calvary, you will realize for all of your life that the air is human, but to forgive, divine. Amen.